This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, the official brew of Steeler Nation Thursday games. The short week stressing you out? Relax with the Stonies. Pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G Stryker, and with us is our tweet master, Brad Lambert. Brad, a dominant win against the rival Baltimore Ravens, and we talked about this three-game divisional opponent stretch as being crucial for the Steelers' success. They stacked four straight wins, and now they run the North. You can't get much better than that, man, and in dominant fashion at that. The way they put the games together, Cincinnati was an impact game, that big play at the end of the game leading to the to the win as opposed to having to kick a field goal. That was amazing. I felt like that play kind of propelled them forward for this stretch, even though they had a bye week in between started slow in the Cleveland game, came on strong the other three quarters and this last game, it looks like they put together a full four quarters worth of play. So it was really nice to see that out of them. I agree. And that Baltimore game honestly could have been a lot worse on the scoreboard for Baltimore. So uh, definitely was a dominant game. And I honestly don't think the score reflects that other than the fact that they won. The amazing thing to me was 13 extra minutes in time of possession. That's enormous when you're playing a game like that. I know Baltimore in the previous game was slowing down the game in in Pittsburgh, and they won the time of possession battle. This time, still, the Steelers, 13 extra minutes, put up nearly 400 yards on on one of the top defenses in the league. So that was great to see those, those mismatches try to come in and do what they do well. They changed some personnel grouping. I noticed in the first game they were running a lot of heavy sets with Connor, with the double tight ends, three tight ends, with the fullback. This past game, it seems like they were just running one tight end, sometimes two tight ends, but Nix was not on the field, and they were just running out of 11 sets or 12 sets, and they were really having their way with them. Yeah, I I don't know how much Ben's index finger had uh, to do with that, you know, kind of protecting him from being under center. Yeah. I agree. They were definitely out of shotgun a lot. With the receiving core that we have, I think that makes him think uh, on the defensive side a lot more than being under center and having a heavy formation. And that's a great point, too, about his finger, because I didn't even think about that injury being a reason why he wouldn't have taken snaps, and that would limit the ability to put a fullback in the backfield. That's a great point. What I've also seen, too, in the game, our man Connor, another dominant game, over 100 yards rushing, Another 50-plus receiving game and another touchdown, extending his <laughs> his streak now of 100, 100 yards rushing, 50 yards receiving with a touchdown. This guy, what more can you say? I mean, the, the one thing the, uh, the Le'Veon Bell uh, supporters have been saying is, he needs to do it against the Ravens. If he doesn't do it against the Ravens, he, he sucks, you know. It's or he's like not ridiculous. the real deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and then he comes in and has a performance like that. You were just talking about the time of possession, and that's because of the run game. Yeah. 
you yep. know, they couldn't yep. stop James Conner, yep. and he was inflicting his will on the defense, as Tomlin loves to say. Breaking and, tackles. Uh, when you're, yeah. Oh, man. I mean, Jeez. when you're doing that, you know, those guys don't want to tackle you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the receivers seem to have a lot of success, too, out of play action and just in general. So, I mean, the offense is really clicking right now, and James Conner mm-hmm. has a lot to do with that, man. And I, cr- I counted on that one run that he had for 12 yards. He broke, legitimately broke six tackles before three Ravens brought him down. Uh, you're talking about the one that went to the left? Yes, correct. Correct. And it was, oh, man. And the cuts, he had two or three yeah. cuts that were just <laughs> LaShawn McCoy-like. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a pleasure to watch, man. It was It was great. And Ben still put together a great game, put up a lot of passes. He was up over 40 attempts in the game, which I was surprised about with how well the ground game was doing. But it seems like the ground game was setting up the pass game. They were utilizing the short passes a lot better. They were hitting Antonio Brown, Switzer, and Juju over the middle on the quick slants on the third and shorts, fourth and short on the one to Juju. They were just having their way also with being able to create space and having their wide receivers pick up the tough yardage on those short yardage situations. Yeah, Randy Feetner is, is really finding his groove as the offensive coordinator, and I think you see that with the success of the offense. And honestly, I got a little worried there. Uh, the second quarter, they really got away from the run game. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of the first half, I mean, that oh, was a shit show. Yeah. Uh, I, that could have been real bad. Three times so, um, it looked like they were trying to know. give the ball back to the Ravens. I mean, it, after, after the first debacle, you think, okay, let's cut our cut bait, cut our losses, and just try to run the ball, run out clock, and get to the next half. But, man, they they did their damnedest to try to make it an, an exciting um, or closer game than it, than it should have been, actually, at the end of the half. Like I said, the offense is clicking. Mm. The run game's clicking. I, I don't want uh, large spells like what you're saying where, you know, the whole second quarter – Connor, I swear, barely touched the ball. Yeah. So I think we, you know, can't. Uh, we didn't abandon the run. We just kind of was like, we're going to step away from this right quick, yes. and uh, we'll mm-hmm. come back to it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you have a balanced offense, I mean, that's that's a benefit. So it was good to see them being yeah, able sure. to. And they were still being successful with the pass because I know they are moving down the field and going to more of a short game like, like they saw that was – a success in the first time playing them. I know Switzer had the most catches he had all season in that first Baltimore game. They were really having trouble covering him on the short drags and short outs, and they kind of threw Antonio Brown and Juju to kind of create this short passing attack as kind of like a de facto running attack. So I I get the mindset. It was a little different, but you're right. You never want to take Connor out of the play too long, especially with as successful as he is on the ground. One other thing I really love to see, even though Ben had two touchdowns passing, he also had that really nice quarterback sneak at the goal line. Love having that play back in the playbook. We haven't seen it since uh, since Todd Haley was our offensive coordinator, but it's nice to see Feekner take advantage of that play call as well. Well, you know, the, the best part about it is you look back at that Jacksonville game last year, mm-hmm. you know, in the playoffs. We had, what, two or three fourth and ones that yep. we didn't convert on? Yep where Ben very much, you know, could have just stuck his head in there like we've seen the success this season. Yeah. But Todd Haley, for some reason, just didn't like that play call. I don't know if he was protecting Ben or he wanted to do it in a more creative way. But, uh, you know, like you said, we're embracing it, and it's uh, paying dividends. 
when you have a six foot five, two hundred sixty pound quarterback running in between two all pros with Pouncey and DeCastro, it's it's a no brainer. That would be a, a yeah. That would be something that Belichick would never fail to utilize if he had that same situation. So I'm glad to see the Steelers using that as a weapon. And they're three for three so far on quarterback sneaks this year. So it's really nice to see that yeah. becoming a weapon and an option and something that's going to be really tough for defenses to stop. Big Ben, when he came out to try to run for the first down and he got tackled, I mean, I know Steeler Nation held their collective breaths there for a solid five minutes until we could figure out what was going on with Ben. But, man, what a play for Josh Dobbs to come on and, and utilize for his first pass and first real play that wasn't a kneel down in the NFL. Yeah, well, uh, let's just talk about Ben scrambling. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that, <laughs> no. okay? Like, he, he's almost at the Tom Brady speed level now. Mm. So we really can't have him doing that. If you're going to roll out, throw it out of bounds. Like, it's just not worth it. Um, so, you know, seeing him go down like that, like you said, Steeler Nation held their collective breath because – I think we all feared the worst there for a minute, but the longer he kind of stayed down, he was moving that shoulder. Yeah. So I, I felt better um, about it. And then Dobbs came in, and I don't think anybody expected him to throw the ball, no. especially the Ravens. No. And, man, what a strike to Juju. From the end zone, I mean, that was a gutsy play call. But it, oh, also, huge. it also goes to show the confidence that they have in Dobbs. And one interesting thing, too, that we've been noting when um, – Ben started off with an elbow issue. He was taking Wednesdays off every week. I think he's only played in one Wednesday practice all season, and that was this, the game right before he broke his finger, the right out of the bye. But yep. that means that Josh Dobbs is the number one quarterback on Wednesdays. He's getting a lot of snaps with the first team. The coaches are seeing what he's capable of. So in that respect, that's great coaching, and that's a great play call. Well, it's good to know that we have a guy that we can rely on. Granted, it was one play, but uh, the Steelers were lucky in years past having a guy like Charlie Bash to come in yeah. in moments like that. So if uh, Josh Jobs can do that, great. And I'm not sure if I'm confident with Landry Jones being able to do that same thing. I mean, a 20-yard gain for Landry Jones in a, a tight situation like that. I mean, it, to me, I wouldn't be as – excited to see if, if Jones is on the field. So then, too, that decision in, in training camp with Dobbs stepping up and really, instead of wilting when he saw that they drafted a quarterback, he took it as a challenge. He met that challenge, and he made the roster and against all odds. And it's great to see that the Steelers made the right call. Yeah, so far so good. Cool. On the defensive side of the ball, Hayden with another great game. I know he didn't really show up big in the stat sheet other than having one pass defensed. But he did hold their Brown to 15 yards receiving, and that is huge because Brown in the previous game had over 100 yards, had a touchdown, and just absolutely had his way with the Steelers. Joe Hayden, man, what a steal yet again. We talk about it every week. Kevin Colbert picking him up off the street after Cleveland uh, stupidly released him. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Thank you, um, Cleveland. You know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thanks a lot. Each and every week, especially now, he's really finding his groove and he's confident and he's playing like it. So uh, we're very lucky to have him in the secondary, that's for sure. And my man, Mighty Mouse, coming up big again. Hilton, telling you, he's What shut a player. Man, two plays in the first half on opening drives, one on each touch, potential scoring drive that could have been touchdowns for the Ravens. First drive. Knocks the ball away from Andrews to stop a touchdown. Second drive, they're doing their 
crazy, you know, quarterback switch, throwing Jackson in there. Oh, you know, it'll be tough to stop Jackson short to goal line. Comes on that right sprint coming around the corner. Hilton wasn't fooled at all. Man, and he killed him. Absolutely got him for that nice nice tackle. Big TFL. Stopped their chance of even being able to score a touchdown. Those two plays that could have been touchdowns would have been 14 points. Instead, they were six points. And that is just enormous. And that's the type of game player and the type of big plays that we need out of the defense. And it's nice to see it out of Hilton. Yeah, he's just like, like Joe Hayden right now. He is consistently making plays every single week. He's so reliable in the secondary from a coverage standpoint and as a tackler. So, I mean, I just can't say enough about him. What a player, and uh, we're very lucky to have him as well. But, you know, I was thinking, I, I can't compare him to anyone in years past. No. He's a like, unique it's player. so strange. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> like, he, he, oh, man, it's like he tackles like Ryan Clark. Yeah. You know, like, Ryan Clark was always a sure tackler. I'm yep. not talking about big hits. I'm talking about, like, in open space, Ryan would take guys down. Yes. Guaranteed. He's not missing know? the tackle. You're so, right. So, like, yeah. yeah. And, but, you know, from a corner perspective, I can't think of anybody in the last decade, you know, who yeah. he reminds me of, you know? I, I, He's better than William Gay. Yeah, he's better than Dwayne, he's better than you know? Townsend. He's better than any slot yeah. corner that we've had. I mean, generally the slot corners the Steelers have had before were a little bit taller, had more length to be able to get to footballs. But he's he's short. He doesn't have the size at all, five eight. I mean, but he has the quickness. He's getting to the point of the football before these tight ends that are six seven inches taller than him, and he's making the plays. And that's and you're right, man. I've never seen anybody like him at his size. The only players that you see usually at his size in the NFL are running backs. And they're usually, you know, running backs that don't usually last very long in the league. You got a couple that are great at that size, but man, he's really putting it together and, and blazing his own trail as a, as a small defensive player. Mighty Mouse, man. You, you can't, <laughs> you cannot stop him. He's amazing. He's, he's awesome. And, and, and uh, you know, playing with confidence. And our boy, Sean Davis, had another great game leading the team in tackles with eight. I saw him. Coming up in the on plays where he's lined up as the legit deep safety, they're running a five-yard in or a five-yard stop. He's meeting that player when they get the ball, tackling with no ability to gain extra yardage, and Steelers are getting off the, the field on third downs. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's playing quick, he's playing fast, and he's playing hard. He's really uh, inflicting his will on the other team. He's a big guy. So when, when he hits you, you feel it. So he's a nice presence in the secondary. And, you know, if we're going to stay on safeties, I think Terrell Edmonds had a good game. Yeah. That pass breakup in the end zone was enormous. And, uh, you know, yeah, he got called for pass interference. Mm. I think he had a really solid game. He's getting better each and every week. The defensive line did well. They were getting good pressure on Joe, though. I know it, it didn't equate to a lot of sacks in that game. But you could tell that Joe Flacco wasn't really comfortable. He was trying to get the ball out quickly but a lot of the times his receivers weren't open so it was good to see them force Joe into making throws that he shouldn't have made unfortunately Joe just started being jump ball Joe and throwing the ball downfield hoping for the pass interference call which is the craziest the thing play. yep that's it it's, and it's crazy I go I actually went to the Ravens game last week I live in the Baltimore area and for a fan base that always blames the refs for their failures Man, are they hanging on those pass interference calls and, and begging for pass interference calls in that stadium. 
That is just completely <laughs> hypocritical, and I loved every second of it watching it. And I told them to their faces. <laughs> it's just, you just can't be that way. Either you love the refs or you hate the refs. You can't have it both ways, man. Yeah, they've been doing that play for years. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's very frustrating. But, you know, on the defensive line, I mean, the Ravens had multiple starters out on that offensive line. Mm, uh, both true. tackles were out. And, uh, you know, I was kind of disappointed because they weren't getting the pressure they should have considering the situation. Yeah, they were, at least um, weren't getting them on the Joe, ground. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Joe was getting the ball out quick, which, mm. which helped. Yeah. But, uh, you know, toward the end of the game when it mattered, Stephon Tuitt came up with a big sack. Vinny had one. So, you know, that's uh, – we got out, but, you know, we need more consistency and we need to take advantage of those situations when two starting tackles are out. Um, you know, TJ and uh, Bud got to get to the quarterback. So, Brad, who are your – who would you give your three game balls to in that game? I mean, there's a lot of options, obviously, but who do you think stepped out in your mind? First and foremost, James Conner. Easily. Got to, got to give him a, a game ball for his, you know, first hundred yard performance against Baltimore, mm. especially after earlier in the season where he was limited to like, I think it was like nine carries for thirty five yards or yeah. something ridiculous. Yeah. So you know, uh, he really bounced back and and showed him what <laughs> that he's truly on fire right now. So he's catching the ball well out of the backfield, making people miss. And then the runs, man, he's lowering the shoulder and laying the boom. So James Conner gets a game ball for me. I would say Mike Hilton in the slot, he's yep. just so reliable from a tackling standpoint. He's breaking up passes. Can't say enough about him. And then uh, Antonio Brown, I mean, had a really, really solid game again. Not too many catches, you yep. know. He's not racking up the yardage and – a uh, number of catches per game as he usually does. But, you know, that touchdown was huge. And, man, what a move he put on that DB. You know, he thought yeah. he was cutting inside. Oh, he gosh. said, psych, and just sliced you know, them both Tomlin and walked did. into the end zone untouched. Uh, <laughs> it was a great little yeah, quick motion. He, he, he quickly cut, made that first guy miss. And then there was actually, I don't know if it was a safety or a corner, but somebody tried to tackle him up high. And uh, Showtime released a video yesterday of Mike Tomlin talking to AB after that play. Yeah. And Tomlin came up and was like, "You're too tough. You're too strong. They can't. Ta they can't arm tackle you. Yep. You're too physical." So you know, <laughs> and it's true. AB is a beast, and that was a hell of a touchdown. So, you know, my third game ball goes to AB. Nice, nice. My three game balls. Number three, got to be Mighty Mouse. We were talking about him earlier. He had. Uh, Two tackles for loss, one of them saving a touchdown, another pass breakup for a loss, another pass breakup later. He was just all over the field making great tackles, making great plays, sniffing out the plays, and cutting off all those inside plays. Honestly, he's becoming my my favorite player on defense. I love watching him. He's a treat to watch every week. My second ball, I got to give to Josh Dobbs. To me, I thought that was the play of the game. I thought the game pivoted at that moment. I actually wrote an article on SteelerNation.com. You can read it on As the Game Turns. It's one of my articles. And that play itself, Steelers were backed up in that situation. Ravens coming off a score, had Steelers pinned deep. And that one play changed field position, changed the game, and Steelers ended up getting a, getting a score at the end of that drive with Ben coming back in the game. 
leading to Ben's being my number one ball of the game. He did it with the arms. He did it with his legs getting a touchdown. Three touchdowns on the day. Got to give it up to Ben. He didn't make any big mistakes. He seems to be getting more locked in as the season goes on, and I love seeing a, a quarterback just getting stronger as the games go on. Looking at the injury situation, Steelers came out of that game, fortunately, with very minor bumps and bruises. I know Gilbert hasn't practiced at all this week. Uh, Dan McCullers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Ryan Switzer have been limited for yesterday's practice. We'll have to see how they are today. I don't see any of those players missing the game on Thursday. And uh, James Washington, who was limited yesterday, he did practice. Um, they're limited on Monday. He did practice on Tuesday. So he'll play again in that game. Moving forward, it's, I mean, honestly, Brad, it seems like every time a team now is losing to the Steelers, their coach is on the hot seat. Now, I've been li living in Baltimore, listening to talk radio here. The fans are screaming to fire John Arbaugh. Do you think that's fair? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, they've underperformed the last few years, you know. Mm -hmm. They didn't make the playoffs one year. They can't seem to get past the Steelers, which was a trend. You know, before Harbaugh took over, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think we'll see the, how the rest of the season turns out for him. But yeah. he has Lamar Jackson waiting in the wings. Maybe you see a quarterback change. You know, I yeah. think if they lose one of the next two games, I think you kind of have to because the North is out of hand. Yeah. And uh, at that point, perhaps playoffs are out of hand. So you might as well put the young guy in and see what you got heading in next year. If they continue to lose and he keeps Joe Flacco in there. I mean, I think you got to look at the head coach, but in the next five games, let's see how that goes for Baltimore before we're calling for Harbaugh's head. Moving forward to Carolina, I know their injury situation is a little bit more banged up than the Steelers. It turns out that their starting center, Ryan Khalil, is not practicing. Torrey Smith, who we know well, is the wide receiver that used to play for the Ravens, is their starter currently. Uh, he has not practiced this week with a knee. Uh, it also looks like they have a bunch of players limited that are some big names. You've got Cam Newton with his right shoulder, though I anticipate him not missing this game, obviously. you got Eric Reed with a shoulder. You have Greg Olson with his foot. Captain Munnerlin, who's a big um, player in their defensive packages and dime and in nickel. He's also has a chest injury, so it'll be interesting to see how those players turn out for practice today or the walkthrough to be able to participate on Thursday's game. I don't expect anybody major to miss this game, and yeah. honestly, the names you mentioned are important. Mm. Khalil, I think, will play from what I've been hearing. Okay. But uh, I don't think he's going to be 100%. Mm -hmm. So hopefully Javon Hargrave and the defensive line can take advantage of that. Mm. And then from there, you know, Cam Newton's not missing this game. But the, the big problem is, is Cam Newton, it is. Christian McCaffrey, yeah. you know, Greg Olson. Yep. Those three on offense are going to be a big issue. Um, the receiving core for Carolina, mm. I think, is pretty mediocre. Mm. Um, I think their biggest receiving threat is Greg Olson. Yeah. Uh, Devin Funches is a big receiver, but I look at him more as a possession guy. I don't think he's going to win a game single-handedly. Mm. Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, his speed, elusiveness Man. is going to yeah. be a big issue. So I think you're going to see the Steelers run a lot of dime. Uh, a lot of dollar mm -hmm. with uh, LJ Fort, yeah. potentially one-on-one. -on -one. They might actually double Christian McCaffrey with the safety mm -hmm. um, because right now from a 
athletic standpoint at linebacker, uh, obviously without Ryan, we're, we're very limited, especially when going up against a guy like McCaffrey. So, yeah. um, and to have McCaffrey's yeah, speed run- pa- paired with Cam Newton's speed with the ability to do the option reads. And yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you're right. You need some quickness on the field to be able to account for both of those guys going in opposite directions. I think the, uh, the run path option, I mm. think the, you know, what you just talked about, I think those things really come into play. Yeah. Um, because Cam's a big guy. He's a physical guy. I think you need to hit him often and early. Mm. If you hit him quick, you know, I, I my good buddy, Corey, um, I actually lived in Charlotte for a while. He's a big Panther fan. And, yeah. you know, we always talk about you can really judge on how the Panthers are performing, whether Cam Newton is smiling or not. <laughs> so if we're – if we're hitting him early uh, and he's frowning, yeah. where we, you know, he gets defeated very easily. I mm. mean, and he's very emotion, emotional. He wears his emotion on his sleeve. So, I think if we get to him often and early, and you know, keep dropping him and mm. letting him feel the, the the pain of the defense early, I think we'll be in a good in good shape. But if we let him hit a groove and he's you know, doing the airplane dance and smiling yeah. and all that shit. I yeah. think we're in for a long day. Yeah. On the defensive side of the ball, I know they have all-world inside linebacker that the Steelers wish that they had in Luke Keekley. How do you see – yeah, he's amazing, obviously, a tackle machine. And how, how do you see you this – How can you not love him? I know. I respect the hell out of him. I love the way he plays. He's physical. He's fast. He knows the game. He sniffs out plays better, better than just about any linebacker in the league. He's going to be a real problem. How do you see the Steelers kind of like attacking him, utilizing balance, utilizing the run game? What do you see? He's a great player, but I think the Steelers are equipped to deal with him. Yeah. We have one of the best offensive lines in football. Truth. You know, you got guys like David DeCastro and Mm. Marquise Pouncey. Mm. You know, those guys are going to handle the middle, and they're going to be one-on-one with Luke and Thomas Davis. So. Uh, you know, I think the bigger concern, honestly, is Ben throwing the football against Luke. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. and ben, Ben's going to be hitting the tight ends mm. and slant routes, and Luke's a ball hawk, man. He you is. know, I I, I want to say out of the middle linebackers, he probably leads the league in interceptions. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's just so, <laughs> he's uh, a playmaker. Wow. You got to be careful. I think he's more of a threat from a, a <laughs> ball in the air standpoint than, you know, running. So. I trust our offensive line. I think they'll do a nice job of handling him. Thomas Davis is another issue, but, man, that guy is just a cybertronic robot, man. He just come back knee knee injury after knee injury. It's just crazy. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, credit to him and his work ethic and never giving up. But he's uh, he's a hell of a player, too. So that secondary, though, Mm -hmm. I I think the Steelers can have a field day with them. Um, They they got Eric Reed in there, which was an upgrade. but. That corners are just not very good, man. So I think uh, the Steelers and Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster should have a big day. But uh, mm-hmm. I think, like I said, it's those uh, short to medium-range passes where they have to watch out for Luke Keekley. Yes. Great point. So how do you see this game working out? What's your prediction for this game, Brad? If we don't turn the ball over and we get to Cam Newton early, I think the Steelers win by two scores. Our offense is clicking right now. We can't turn the ball over. If we do that, I think the Steelers win by two scores. I see this as being more of a high-scoring game. I see the Steelers putting up 35 points at home against 28 points for them. 
I see the issues with McCaffrey coming out of the backfield, and I think it'll take some time for the Steelers' defense to adjust to his speed until they get an alignment that, that really works against them. That might result in a couple scores. So, But I see the Steelers coming out on top, honestly, 35-28. to 28. And what I also I agree. What I also like to see is is honestly like Steelers offense is humming, and I want to give credit where credit is due. Randy Feekner is really putting together a balanced attack. He's utilizing his personnel groupings to create mismatches, and he's also setting up plays with earlier plays run prior in the game. If you notice in that the biggest the biggest play the Steelers had in the Ravens game was the fifty one yard pass to Jesse James. If you noticed earlier he in the tried game, to drop that. yeah, he did try to drop it. Fortunately, he didn't. <laughs> I think he was surprised he was that wide open. But oh man, three plays earlier, they were running that same play, tight end alone on the side of the field, three receivers to the left. They ran it three times earlier, and all three times the tight end ran the out. So that time, running the out, Ben pump faked the out. Corner bit on it hard, and he didn't have to make much of a move to cut back upfield to be wide open on that play. So. Kudos to Randy Feekner being able to put together a game plan and set up plays with other plays because I love watching that as a fan. Yeah, I mean, that was a great play call, and I'm glad Jesse, he caught it. Yep. Okay, let's not get confused. He, Jesse caught it. Yep. Um, but, you know, <laughs> That's true. Just, just, just imagine, though, I want to see Vance McDonald in those kind of situations Me because too. if Vance did the out and up, yeah. I think he scored. That's a touchdown. You know, Jesse – Jesse is a possession guy. You know, his hands are okay. Mm. But, man, he uh, he just doesn't have the speed to get away. And I honestly think Vance scores if that's him in that scenario. Not taking anything away from Jesse. Yeah. But that's the kind of guy you got to get, you know, in space yeah. and use his athleticism on those kind of double move routes. Mm. So, you know, maybe this week we can see him one-on-one with Luke Keekley and hopefully getting the better. So, Brad – I know you've been listening to the Twitter world. You've got some information for us. What's your hot take this week? I mean, I think we've all heard the news. You know, Le'Veon Bell broke his silence and tweeted out and put on all his social media accounts. Mm -hmm. He said, farewell, Miami, you know, waving emoji. Yep. Uh, You know, of course, he spelled farewell wrong. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we won't fault him for that. So from what we've been hearing is, you know, he's back in Pittsburgh. He was apparently playing basketball last night on McKnight Road at the L.A. Fitness. Oh, wow. He used to live down there, so I'm really not surprised. Mm. Um, a lot of pictures were coming out of the gym. That was definitely Le'Veon. There's no denying that. Yeah. Um, Adam Crowley is saying that he's going to go to the Michigan State game mm. and then report this week. Okay. But uh, Mark Caballi with The Athletic is saying that he's considering maybe sitting out the full season. So wow. I, I don't think anybody knows what's really going on. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, <laughs> at this point, I don't think anybody gives a shit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that that's the latest with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I, I honestly could care less. If he shows up, that's great. That's another weapon, a nice backup for – James Conner. Notice I said a nice backup for James Conner. Yes, Connor. that's the and, right way to uh, say it. You know, yep. I, I, I wouldn't mind plugging Le'Veon in the slot as opposed to Switzer yeah. um, either. Yep. So, you know, th- there are some benefits there, but I certainly, you know, if I have an option, just 
stay, stay away. You know, we, we don't, we don't need your drama and negativity and BS, you know, thanks for what you've done, but you've made some bad decisions and, uh, I hope it doesn't cost you. Yeah. I tell you one thing, I'm, I'm not opposed to having him back on the roster. I know how grueling the playoffs runs can get, especially as they extend games. And it would be great to have a talent like Le'Veon Bell there as a, as a break glass in case of an emergency kind of guy in case something should happen to Connor. But in all respects, they don't need him. You're right. And one interesting stat, I know the NFL loves talking about this, and they talk about it just about every game that Bell was playing in last year, how Bell averages total yardage per game as a starter, 129 yards a game. And that is huge. It's record-breaking. It's, it's something the NFL has never seen. That was record-breaking until this year because James Conner now as a starter is averaging 135.6 yards per game. He is now shattering yeah. Bell's numbers. And I don't yes, know if, if it's the line. I don't know if it's his style of running that he's more quick to hit the hole So he, and he's falling forward, so he's getting those extra yardage. But it's it's great to see that they're not missing a beat. They're not missing Le'Veon Bell. This is, And that's what Le'Veon yeah. wanted. Le'Veon wanted failure on Steelers. Wanted for sure Connor to fail, so it increases his value. Now you have somebody in there statistically doing better than Le'Veon Bell, both in yardage per game and way ahead in touchdowns. Here's what I'll say: I think the offensive line very much has a reason for the success. Yeah, um, of both running backs. Um, I think if we had a lesser O line, I don't think Le'Veon Bell does what he does, and I don't think James Connor does. Yeah, but. Like you said, I do believe the fact that James Conner is quicker mm. and hits the hole harder where Le'Veon's patient running mm. yeah. works. Yes. He just doesn't have the getaway speed. Yeah. Right now, James Conner has more long runs than Le'Veon Bell has had his entire career. That is true. That is true. And he's leading, like, and he's leading the, the league right now in runs over 20 yards. That's something he breaks tackles like Le'Veon. Yeah. He's shifty like Le'Veon. But the speed element to get away from Guy, yeah. that's something that Le'Veon really didn't do. His longest run, I believe, came against the Panthers, what was that, four years ago, yeah. where it was we were inside our 20, and he broke like a 60-some yarder, I believe it was, but got caught from behind. Yeah, And, you know, that's just how that is. But yeah. the offensive line is, you know, a big reason why they're successful. But mm. let's just say this. The best running back in football right now is Todd Gurley. Yes. Easily. Hands down. Hands okay? down. Yep, no question. Who who is behind Gurley at number two in the league in rushing yards? Mm-hmm. None other than James, James Conner. Conner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I'll say. That's... So, James Conner, you're a beast. Yeah. And I don't see that number being differently. Even if, if Bell started the whole year this year, I see those numbers being the same. I don't see anybody touching Gurley. Obviously, he's an MVP candidate right now with what he's doing and how, yeah. how he's moving the ball like a monster. But like I said, we're, we're not losing anything with Bell. The only thing we are winning with Bell is salary, is cap space. And now we're up the Steelers. Well, not we because I don't get to keep that money. But the Steelers are now up $7.7 million to date. They get another 855000 if he doesn't sign before Thursday. I also heard Thank with you. that space <laughs> that uh, the Steelers made an offer on Bruce Irvin. Really? Yeah, the wow. free agent edge rusher who just signed with Atlanta. Oh, wow. And uh, per Bruce, mm-hmm. 
he said that the Steelers offered more money, but he wanted to go play in his hometown. Oh, gotcha. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, I, I was uh, kind of surprised by that because, you know, we know the Steelers aren't super active during free agency, yeah, but yeah. he obviously saw something. You know, Bruce is a great edge rusher, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he'd be a nice spell for either TJ and or Bud, yeah. but, uh, you know, it didn't work out. But the fact that wow. they made a move, that cap space from Le'Veon sitting out the whole season. Gives them the ability to do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. so, you know, that's, that's fine, you know. But uh, all in all, James Conner, heck of a player, great guy, and I couldn't be happier for him. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to touch base on, Brad? Uh, we are wearing our Color Rush jerseys. Ooh! Ah, <laughs> nice. You got your jersey? Yep. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't bought them. I mean, uh, yeah. I think what makes those jerseys so special, it, it's not really the jersey. It's more the uniform collectively. It's all black. Yeah. So, you know, the the jersey itself looks like the uh, the throwbacks with the yellow helmets. True. You know, so yeah. there, there's not too much of a difference there. So from a uh, merchandise perspective and a fan perspective, there's not much of a difference there, mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, I, I love it. I, I love the all black look. I think, you know, James Conner was like, we look like the Dark Knight. And, you know, I think he's right. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's just mean. They're mean in those all black get ups. So I'm super excited. I, I didn't think they were going to wear them this year. I think I thought they killed uh, the whole color rush thing collectively as an NFL. So, yeah. whatever. I'll take it. Well, when you have a good-looking color rush jersey as opposed to look, looking like you're wearing a toddler's onesie being <laughs> playing for the, the Bills or the Jets, I mean, I'll take that any day. And it's great because now in the color rush jersey, they are 2-0 and in that jersey. I remember the big Immaculate Extension was wearing the color rush jerseys with AB. I also know – here's an interesting stat for Thursday night that I – didn't even know until I was just reading it today. Mike Tomlin is 7-0 and on Thursday nights. So hey. <laughs> hopefully he keeps that streak going. Let's still be undefeated for one more yeah. week. Well, Brad, honestly, thanks a lot for spending the time with us again this week. We appreciate you taking time out of your day. And thanks a lot for your insight as always, man. You got it. You too, man. Thanks. Be sure to visit SteelerNation.com for excellent articles, some written by me, and the best football forum on the internet, www.SteelerNation.com. Come join us. Thanks for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Stony Brewing. I'm G. Stryker with Brad Lambert, rooting with you as always. Go 